Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Good morning. Why don't you turn in your Bible to Genesis 37. I'm going to talk a little bit about Joseph this morning. Uh, you're on fairly safe ground preaching on Joseph because uh, if you haven't read the book, you've probably seen the musical. And, uh, and they're not all that um, dissimilar. Let's begin. Jacob, verse 1. Genesis 37, verse 1. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob. We looked at Jacob last week. Now we're doing one of his sons. Joseph, a young man of 17. Remember that. He was 17. A little um, younger than Jason Donovan was when he did the part. Yeah? Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers. Verse 3, now Israel, that's Jacob, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. Very interesting that, that um, the Bible warns parents not to have favoritism. Very, very interesting. It goes badly wrong. And part of this is perhaps... Israel's or Jacob's fault that he had favoritism among his, uh, among his children. So we have to be careful of that, I think, here. Anyway, he loved him more than anyone else, more than his other sons. And he made him, end of verse 3, a richly ornamented uh, robe, the, the coat of many colors. Verse 4. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and they couldn't speak a kind word to him. But it's about to get worse. Verse 5. Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of corn out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered round mine and bowed down to it. How many of you have worked out that he was 17? You got that, haven't you? His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he'd said. Verse 9 gets worse, then he had another dream. Now, at this stage, I perhaps wouldn't have told him the other dream, but no, he's telling him. He had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. This time, the sun and moon, that's mum and dad, right? Mum and dad. The sun and moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. And when he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and says, what's this dream you had? 
Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of his, uh, jealous of him. But his father kept the matter in mind. Well, I want to welcome everyone who's um, downloaded the King's Cast. Thank you for doing that. We've got to just take a few moments to talk about the whole life story of the, of the character Joseph from the Old Testament. Uh, just in case you need a little uh, reminder of a bit of that story and to save us reading, you know, some 13 chapters of the Bible. Joseph is a, is a well, he's a prophet really. He's a charismatic person. He receives visions and dreams. He also has the ability to interpret them. And, uh, and God shows him when he's 17 that one day he's going to be a real big shot. Uh, he's gonna, uh, his family are going to honor him uh, in such a way as to bow down in front of him. The family don't really like this, particularly the brothers, and they sell him, they attack him, and sell him into slavery. Uh, and uh, he ends up in Egypt where he becomes uh, a servant in, a, in the house of a man called Potiphar. And because he's such a good, kind of good work ethic guy, he becomes the ruler of that, of that house. You know, he becomes the chief servant, if you like. And when you've been sold into slavery, becoming a chief servant is probably about as good as you could hope for. Well, Potiphar's wife finds Joseph quite attractive and uh, wants to lure him into bed. Joseph, being a righteous man, doesn't want anything to do with her. We will imagine she was most beautiful, by the way. Uh, but he resists the temptation and she grabs his, his uh, cloak off him and he runs out the house and, uh, and is eventually wrongfully convicted of uh, having sport with her, as it were. He's put into a dungeon for a number of years. During that time... Uh, other prisoners also have dreams that he's able to interpret. And one of them eventually remembers him, who works for Pharaoh, reminds uh, when Pharaoh has a, a, a dream himself, the servant is reminded of Joseph and goes to him, gets him out of the prison. Joseph interprets the Pharaoh's dreams involving a, a giant famine in the land. And because of that, Joseph becomes like the prime minister of Egypt and the story concludes with all of his brothers coming, not recognizing him, but begging for food. And they bow down to him uh, in fulfillment of his, of his uh, dream. That's about it, isn't it? With a few songs thrown in. And a few spins, a few Cliff Richards uh, thrown in. But that's, that's, that's roughly it. And a hairy bunch of Ishmaelites and a pharaoh that does an Elvis number, but that's, that's roughly it, isn't it? That's roughly, roughly the story. Uh, what am I, uh, uh, I've, I've called this message, living the dream, not the fantasy. And uh, I'm going to unpack that a bit. One of my least favorite social media, uh, Facebook or Twitter things that people can put is, hello, I'm in Birmingham today, living the dream. Hello, I've just had lunch with uh, 
X, Y, Z, you know, names to impress you. Uh, live in the dream. Uh, just been down and had coffee with, insert, really famous person that you're supposed to be impressed by. Life is good. Have you ever seen any of these? And by the way, if you ever see me do it, I'm being, I'm being, I'm being sarcastic. Right? I don't. Live in the dream. Uh, a friend of ours, Paul Taylor, who's going to preach here soon, isn't he? Uh, he, he got so sick of this one time that he, uh, I don't know what Paul actually does. He paints things several thousand feet up in the air. He repairs things. He dangles on a, on a cord. And often he'll take, he'll, he'll take a selfie. You know what a selfie is? A picture of oneself from one's phone. And, and at one time he was dangling, you know, just a, f- a few inches from death. Uh, rain coming in, paint all over his face. And he took a picture of himself dangling high up in the air. And at which point, I'm dangling high up in the air, seconds from death, paint in the tower, living the dream. He was being sarcastic as well. However, having said all that, we are actually supposed to live the dream. We are actually supposed to live, live, live the dream. God's got a plan, hasn't he? In fact, God's got plans for, for all of us. God had plans for Joseph. And so we could talk about living the dream or we could talk about fulfilling the plans. But let me throw this out to you just in case you didn't know it already. Once you have become a, a follower of, of uh, Christ, the next thing you have to do is find out what it is he wants you to do with your life and then go and do it. And I've made that sound very simple. Of course, it isn't as simple as that. But that's where you're going. God's got plans for you. He hasn't got a plan for you. He's got many plans for you, lots of things for you to do. You have to find out what they are, and you have, then you have to go and do them. And, uh, uh, and it's all about obeying many times. I, I love it when people say, well, God's trying to talk to me uh, about doing... And I say, stop, about, stop. God's not trying to do anything. No, no, God's trying to talk. God doesn't try to do things. What you mean is God's talking to you and you are trying to obey or you're trying to think of a way not to obey. But let's not talk about God's trying. God doesn't try anything. Can you say amen? God does things. Do or do not. There is no try. No, I think that's Yoda. Anyway, we'll get back to the text here. God doesn't try and do anything. But there are plans for our lives. God has something for you to do. And I want to take a few minutes this morning, honestly, to uh, just to unpack some of the things in Joseph's life that will, will be applicable to you and me. We're not all going to be taken away by a hairy bunch of Ishmaelites. If you are, um, tweet it. I've been, a, been attacked by a hairy bunch of Ishmaelites. Living the dream. Yeah. Here's a few things that I think we need to learn from the life of Joseph. Are you ready? You ready? Say aye. Okay. Number one, you have to make sure that the dream is really from God. If you want your dream to come true, then it must be a dream and not a fantasy. What's the difference between a dream and a fantasy? Well, I think it's very, I think it's complex, but the simplest answer, 
the difference between a dream and a fantasy is that a fantasy is a dream with no foundations. Uh, I could decide that at the men's breakfast in a few weeks' time, that acrobat that, that was promised will be me. This could be my dream. But you know, that's a fantasy. That's a fantasy. I am not anointed to play football. Uh, it's a fantasy. And the truth is that you can talk about having a dream from God, but unless you do something about it, it's a fantasy. You can talk about uh, God's going to call you to preach to the people of China, but unless you start learning Chinese, then it's just a fantasy. Do you understand what I'm saying? The dream may be from God, but it's not going to come true unless you start to put some legs on it. The other thing is, you have to work out, of course, we should stay, you know, right from the beginning. You have to make sure that it really is from God. I've met a few people uh, down the years, either in church or now at Bible college or wherever it may be, and they talk about how they're on fire for God. They're on fire for the Lord. Sometimes, though, they're actually just on fire for themselves. They're on fire for themselves. How do you know that that which God has put on the inside of you really is from Him? It's so simple. I've said it before, but let's just remind ourselves. When God gives you a purpose, it's always going to be to help others. You might be blessed in doing it. But when God gives us a dream, it is for the purpose of others. It may be exciting for you, I put here. But who actually benefits? If God has placed a call upon you to preach, that's not a call that's supposed to benefit you. That's supposed to benefit the people who hear you. Yes? If God has placed a call upon you to help the poor, that's supposed to be a call that's supposed to help the poor. Not help your website or help you feel good about yourself or, you know, whatever else. You may feel God has called you to be a, a businessman. Or God has called you into certain, you know, acts of, uh, you know, certain vocations. And that might excite you. But, but, but ultimately, if it really is from God, then what you're doing is going to be for the benefit of this world as well as for you. You might say, well, God has called me to be a millionaire. Well, who's going to benefit from that? And by the way, if God has called you to be a millionaire, live the dream, and I'll be following you on Twitter, I tell you, I tell you, I will. <laughs> Closely. <laughs> in fact, I'll probably be following you in real life, asking you for cash every now and then. C-A-V-A-N-N-A. Oh, you knew that, didn't you? Now, it may be exciting. And when Joseph had these dreams, you know, of the, the, the uh, corn, and it, it was exciting, but exciting. But the point is, it has to be for the benefit of others. And, we'll, and we pick up right at the end of the story. Joseph says to them, the reason God sent me here was to save you. That's what he says to them at the end of the story. So you can be as charismatic as you want to be, but make sure that that is for the benefit of other people, not just for the benefit of you. So how to make your dream come true? Number one. Make sure the dreams come from God. If it's come from you, you're going to have to work very hard and you may or may not succeed. 
It's possible to have your own dream. And it's possible to succeed in it. But that doesn't mean it came from God. Evil people have dreams, don't they? Wicked dictators have dreams that they, that they fulfill. It doesn't necessarily mean that they came from God. Number two, be careful with whom you share your dream. Didn't he wind his brothers up? Didn't he wind his brothers up? And in many ways, in many ways, there was a certain arrogance about this, this, this young man. I used to hear preaching years ago, Joseph was arrogant and God had to deal with him. And I used to think, no, 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 Joseph was a good guy. But actually, the more I read the story, I think there might be a grain of truth in this. You know, if we were writing the Bible, if it was you and and, and me writing the Bible, this is what we would write. We would say, Joseph discovered he had the power to interpret dreams. And then... A chariot came by from the Pharaoh's uh, palace. And a man popped his head out the chariot and said, Oi! Because they talked like that back then. Oi! Anyone here know how to interpret dreams? Pharaoh's had a dream. He's dreaming he's Elvis and in a musical on the West End. He's had a dream. That's how we'd write. And Joseph would say, Oh, actually, yes, uh, I know a bit about interpreting dreams. And he'd jump on board the chariot. And they go to the palace. Now, how do I know that that's how we would write the story? I'll tell you how I know, because that's how we would write it for us. God has given me a gift. When when am I going to be able to use it? Come on, come on. Who's going to phone me up? Or when's Phil going to ask me to do something? Or when's this going to happen? Or when's God going to open a door? The first thing that Joseph's gift did for him was put him in a pit. It didn't take him to the palace. He went from the plain to the pit. And so I know that the way we'd write the story would be the smooth ride, the superhighway, the fiber optic cable route. Don't say fiber optic cable in Yorkshire. They're given it, they normally interpret it. They think you're speaking in tongues. No, that's how we'd write the story. Because that's how we'd write it for us. If God has given you a dream, if God has given you a gift, if there are plans for you, watch out because there might be a journey that's going to take you to the place where the great fulfillment of that dream is going to come about. But be careful who you share it with. Sometimes... It's good to have secrets. Not, a, not in a sinister way, but I believe God is going to do some great things with my, with my wife and I, and I could unpack them. But then I might start to veer towards arrogance. I might start to veer towards thinking of myself more highly than I ought. And there might be some people that you can confide in. The leaders of the church and people like that. This is how what I feel God might be saying. What do you think about this? But going around telling everyone uh, of, 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 of you know grandiose schemes may not be may not be the way to get God's best attention, and certainly might mean you get fewer invites at Christmas time. Number three, you need to accept that God may need. Edit you. 
you might need to accept that as well as charisma and calling, you're also going to need character. And character is not a download. Character work is sculpturing. A download, you press click. Of course I've read the terms and conditions. All 37,000 words. Right, off, off we go. It's, it's just a download. But character, that involves sculpture work. In other words, careful attention over a long period of time, chipping away at, at the human heart. I want to show you something. Maybe you've seen this before. Maybe you haven't. But all the way, now don't laugh now. This is not supposed to be funny. Now you're all thinking, oh, I better not laugh. But all the way through the story, Joseph's losing his clothes. I told you not to laugh. And stop laughing at home, those who've downloaded it. All the way through the story, Joseph keeps losing his clothes. What do I mean by that? Well, his father, first of all, gets him this highly ornamented, this, um, this elaborate robe, the coat of many colors. And it's almost as though, watch this, please, 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 watch this. What Jacob is doing by giving Joseph the coat, listen, don't be distracted. Listen to this. When Jacob gives Joseph the coat, he thinks he's blessing him. But in fact, he is creating a limit on him. He's creating a containment on him. He is saying, you will be the greatest in our family. It looks like a blessing, but it's not a blessing. Because the coat that Joseph has to wear is the Egyptian prime minister's coat. Yes, that's what God has for him. And sometimes we can think, I'm going to be a legend in the lounge instead of a legend in the land. And sometimes people will create for you what looks like a blessing, but it's actually a containment. It's a limit. They're blessing you, but actually God has bigger plans. So God allows these 11 jealous men to rip that technicolor dream coat off him and they throw him in a pit. But it's not the only cloak that he, lo that he loses. A few chapters down, now he's in part of his house. Now he's been given a new robe, head butler, head servant. And it's very, very explicit. In the text, as he is lured away by this uh, tempestuous um, of a lady, Genesis 39 and 11 through to 13, as Joseph says, I'm not coming to bed with you, he gets away from her and she pulls his robe and he loses that coat as well. Now we're so used to the one in the musical that we miss that it's happening again. 
as he runs away, it is the coat left behind that she presents to Potiphar to say, this man has tried to make sport with me. And several times, the writer of Genesis tells us, leaving his robe behind, she grabbed it. You see, because once again, Potiphar had wanted to bless him, but in fact, he was containing it. He'd wanted to say, I tell you what, I'll make you my head um, butler. I'll make you my head servant. Just as Jacob had said, I'll make you my head son. But God had plans for him to be the head of the world. But we have to accept it. Now, possibly, possibly, neither you or I are destined to be the head of the world. And if we are, let's book ourselves a therapist now. Because that sounds like a tough job. And I'm going to need some makeup. But sometimes God seems to be messing with our life, taking things away. Editing us. But hear the word of the Lord today. It's only for our good, you see. Every time, some people, they feel right, now I know what I'm doing. Now I know where I'm living. Now I know the job I'm supposed to do. And suddenly, this time next year, it's gone. And you think, just when I understood what, who I am, where I am, what I'm supposed to be doing, what coat I'm supposed to be wearing in this life. Rip! <laughs> I'm naked. It's gone. All the time. As soon as he had a job, it was taken away. As soon as he knew who he was, it was taken away. As soon as he knew. And we have to be happy with God being the potter and we being the clay. We are the clay that at any time, as God is shaping and molding, can suddenly take that clay. It looks like, okay, we know what we are. Yes, we're a cup. And then slap, bang, onto the potter's wheel again to be reformed into something else. Yes, that is as painful as it sounds. But if you have a dream, from God, and you want to see it get fulfilled, you might find yourself being stripped and stripped and stripped in order to get you to where you have to be. You might find yourself being slap bang, put back on the potter's wheel once again. God might want to put you back on the wheel. You were a cup. You were a great cup for a whole five years, but now you're back on the wheel being turned into something else. God does not have a plan for your life. God has plans. That means things can change. No, no, no. No, no. It's supposed to be like a, you know, a through storyline. A beginning, a middle and an end. Yeah, yeah, it is. But during that time, God might have a very different thing. God might have a totally different plan for you in your 50s than he had in your 30s. And what you did in your 30s is just as important as what you're going to do in your 50s and your 80s. Let us bury for good the idea that there's some special day when you're going to do God's will. There's no such thing. We do the will of God every day. The will of God is not someday, it is today. Today. 
There's no high pinnacle point, maybe for your endorphins, maybe for your feel good, but in God, in God, it's just as much God's will for Jesus to sit and have bread with the tax collectors and sinners as it is for him to preach the Sermon on the Mount. It's the same. God may have to edit us. The land and not the lounge was his destiny. Sometimes when you lose your job, it might be the best thing that ever happened to you. Sometimes when things go wrong, they're really just going right. When we say, oh God, come and have your way in me. Number four. In order to see our dreams come true, I believe we have to serve the dreams of others. Take a moment to come to that dungeon in the book of Genesis. The dungeon of Genesis chapter 40, where two characters pop in, the cupbearer and the baker. And in Genesis 40, Joseph is imprisoned. And watch this, maybe see this with a new light for a moment, with two men who also are awaiting the fulfillment of their dreams. One of them's had a bit of a bad dream. But they are both, in a sense, awaiting fulfillment of dreams. And in that scenario, Joseph could have been in that prison. Listen, it's dark. It's all gone horribly wrong. And he could well have thought, you know what? This gift of interpretation ain't up to much. Because look where I am. And yet, he uses his gift to help them. If you want your dream to come true, one of the things you're going to have to do, because it's all part of the dream, is to let other people's dreams come true as well. And allow that to be okay in your character. That you have been praying for years for God to use you. And then someone comes in and within two minutes, they're doing what you wanted to do. I've been praying for this for 20 years. What's going on here? This is not right. I have spoken. But actually, God's got all sorts of different plans. Joseph enabled their, he helped them with their dreams. Now, uh, there are people in this room with, with dreams. The leaders of this church have, 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 have dreams. If you want God to, to open up and, and uh, blossom your ministry, you should serve the ministry of others. And not only that, but all the way through his life, Joseph was a servant. We read in Genesis 40 that he ended up sort of running the prison as well. What sort of guy is this? He was running part of his house. He was running the prison. He had a good work ethic. He wasn't paid for, to be the head of the prison. But even though he was in a difficult time, he continued to serve as though he were under great blessing. And I give you this counsel as well from this story. For our dream to come true, we have to work hard. 
Otherwise, it's a fantasy. It's a fantasy. You have to work hard. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. And I highlight, just in case you hadn't spotted it, the word work. Now, sometimes you can enjoy work. I trust that many of you enjoy, at least mostly, some parts of your work. But even if you're here today and you, uh, you know, you really do quite like your work, the vast majority of people, even like that, also love holidays. They also think to themselves, I wouldn't mind if I could just stay in bed a bit longer. But it's work that gets you out of bed. It's work that gets you to a place on time. It's work that means you have to put the extra effort in. It might make you feel good because it may not. But it's still work. And the work of the Lord is work. It's the work of the Lord. The writer goes on to say, because your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Labor, that's another word that means work. Your labor in the Lord is not in vain. We have to work hard. Otherwise, what, what is our dream? It's just really a fantasy. You show me any character that's been successful in this life. And there'll be one or two exceptions. But by and large, the people who've pushed through, who've seen success, they've worked hard. They were up when other people were asleep. They were still up at night when other people had gone to bed. They invested their time, their money, their energies when other people were off at the pictures. They were still up typing and working and planning and thinking. Work. Work. He made other people's dreams come true in order to see his come to pass. Here's the big one. Akin to it, but maybe maybe a little different. Number five of six. <laughs> so we're nearly there. But number five, in the life of Joseph, he had to pass all the character tests. And I just thought of a few of them that I put here on the screen. He was hated. His brothers hated him. That's a character test. To be hated for no reason is a character test. He was abused, you know, attacked. That's a character test. How are you going to react to that? How are you going to react as a follower of God if you are attacked by someone who's supposed to look after you? How are you going to react to that? He was sold as a slave. Tempted. I'm not so sure that Potiphar's wife was not wonderfully sexy and attractive. I'm not so sure that Joseph just didn't think to himself, I must serve my master well. And that woman would have given him a bedroom experience on a plate that day. But he said no. It's, it's a character test. It's not just about having a dream. It's not just about having a prophetic word. It's not just about having a passion. It's not just about having charisma. It's also about having character. He was falsely 
accused, and then imprisoned. They're two. They are two character tests. Most people in this room possibly won't be imprisoned. But almost everyone in this room at some point will be falsely accused of something. Whether at some high level or some gossip level, falsely accused. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with that? The big one that I think is, when I read it, I get the most pain. He was forgotten. He interprets the dreams of the two guys. And then the cupbearer and the baker, the chief cupbearer, is blessed. He's restored. And Joseph says to him, the end of, uh, the end of Genesis chapter 40, will you remember me when I get out of here? And right at the end there, verse 23, the chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. And two years passed by after that. Two years. If only he'd remembered him. But he forgot him. And I know what it's like. What do you mean they've lost my application? What do you mean they lost the letter? What do you mean it didn't, the royal mail did something, it didn't arrive? What do you mean? What's going on here? I prayed about this. I asked for it to be special delivery. Where is it? What do you mean? Couldn't God have made that letter arrive? Isn't God supreme and rules over the postman? Not always in Yorkshire, but certainly in Cambridgeshire. What's going on? The most terrible, one of the most terrible lines in the Bible. Genesis 40, verse 23. He forgot him. The man who could have gotten him out of jail, who could have spared him two years of jail, he forgot him. It's a character test. It's a character test. Why are all these things a character test? Because very, very soon, Joseph is going to be in charge and all of these people, he could have had them put to death. That's the other big temptation. He was given power. Sometimes the character tests are not when things are going bad. They're also when they're going well. And standing before Joseph at the end of the story are all his sniveling brothers who wanted him dead. The final character test happens right there as Joseph is there with a full belly with a gold ring, with a guy fanning him with one of those giant things from the movies. A woman over there playing a harp. Sometimes the biggest character test is when it's going well. Sometimes it's a character test when you have got money, not just when you haven't got it. And there he is, and he forgives them. 
He could have had Potiphar's wife put to death. He could have had Potter put to death. He could have found this cupbearer and had him put to death. And certainly his brothers. But he, he forgave. If you want your dream to come true, bear in mind that God will test you just to see where you're at. You cannot let your gift and talent take you where your character can't keep you. Shall I say that again? You can't let your gift or your talent or your dream take you where your character can't keep you. If you don't believe me, ask Samson, whose gift and talent took him to a place where his character couldn't keep him. And the temple came tumbling down on him. That wasn't God's will. The final one. We let God edit us. We assist our waiting room companions. We serve the dreams of others. We pass the character test. By the way, can I just throw this out? It's not enough to say God's been testing me. You've got to pass the test as well. Can we, can we just throw that in for free? Oh, God's testing me. Pass then. Pass it then. Oh, no, no, no. I'm just going through a test. Well, have you passed yet? Well, no. Well, you, you're still going to be being tested for the rest of your life. Get out the wilderness. Get out the tests. Pass them. Move on to some more tests. And finally, keep loving God. Keep praising God. Even if or when the dream dies. If or when the dream dies. I think one of the, the biggest challenges for all of us is when we felt God say something to us and we haven't seen it come to pass. It's like the death of a dream, isn't it? You believed for this, and look what happened. You thought this, but look what's happened. I thought that by the time I was this age, this, but I'm this age and older, and look, it, it hasn't happened. What has gone terribly wrong here? And I want to say two things about this before I close. Number one, if your dream dies, your God hasn't. If plans fail, your Savior has not failed. And he is worthy to be praised because he's forgiven you all your sins. He didn't make your dreams come true. Maybe they weren't his dreams. Maybe they were yours. Sometimes the worst thing that could have happened to me would have been that everything I asked Father Christmas for, I got. Everything I Imagine if everything you asked for, you got. Can you imagine the kind of person you would be? Probably not even here. So we want to thank God for when the dream that we wanted, God didn't do. We want to thank God for every time he ripped the cloak off us and we, had to, we felt like we were back to square one. He is always worthy of praise. Don't you ever accuse him of wrongdoing. Not one second of your life. Do not accuse him of wrongdoing. He's not your servant. You're his servant. And sometimes the way Christians talk to God, I shudder in my shoes. You are God's servant. God's not your servant. 
He can do whatever he wants to do. He's God. You're not. Live with that. Live in the dream. So let's get that really clear. But the second thing is this. Maybe sometimes we're so much nearer to fulfillment than we could ever have imagined. As Joseph stood there, one day I'm going to rule the world. And there he was in the plain. And while he's in the plain, P-L-A-I-N, not P-L-A-N-E. While he's on the plain, I'm going to rule the world. But he was nowhere near. If you think of the end of this platform as the fulfillment and I'm here, he was nowhere near it. He had the dream, but he was nowhere near it. And then he was grabbed by the brothers, taken to the pit. And it looked like he wasn't going to rule the world, but actually... He's just a little bit closer. And then he was sold to Potiphar in Egypt, where he's supposed to be. Looks like it's gone wrong. But actually, he's just a little bit nearer. He's gone from the plain to the pit to the house of Potiphar. Oh, well, maybe God will use me in the house of Potiphar. Maybe Potiphar will, will allow me to go into politics here in Egypt. This man tried to sleep with me. Thrown into prison. But all the time, all the time, getting nearer and nearer and nearer. As Joseph was in the pit, he was closer to the fulfillment of the dream than before. It didn't look like it. When he was in part of his house, he was closer to the fulfillment. It didn't look like it. When he was thrown in prison. Amazing. Now, he's underneath the palace itself. And all it takes is a man to say, oh, I, I know of a bloke in jail. Could explain old Pharaoh's tale. Because had the man remembered him and got him released, when Pharaoh had the dream, Joseph would not have been able to be reached. Every time God contained him, it was for his good. What a wonderful God we serve. So while you look like you're going further away from fulfillment, in your head, I believe in Jesus' name, God if I'm open to him, he'll move me nearer and nearer and nearer to where I need to be. With or without my consent, with or without my knowledge, if I just keep praising his name, I'm going to keep going in this direction. I might get ill, I might get accused, I might run out of money, but I'm going in this direction. I'm on my way to dream fulfillment. Let's finish with a great quote. The end of the story, he forgives his brothers. By the way, it's a great thought here. He sends everyone out the room before he reveals himself to them. That's a great word of advice about forgiveness. How do you know you've forgiven people? It's now a secret. If you've gone around telling everyone how you've forgiven people, you haven't really. You've gone around telling people. You live in the nightmare. 
No, when Joseph forgave, he did it in private. So no one in the whole of Egypt would have known that these men were villains and rogues 13 years before. Joseph was 30 years old as he stood in front of them. That's 13 years since he was 17. 13 years. When couldn't God have just sent a taxi? No. Because there were so many things that God wanted to edit out of Joseph's life and build into him. So many character tests for him to pass that allowed him to see the fulfillment of what God had for him. Joseph said at the end of his life, beautiful, beautiful verse. He said, speaking to the brothers, speaking about the whole situation generally, he says this, you intended to harm me. You intended to harm me. But God intended it for good. To accomplish what is now being done. The saving of many lives. Once again, we'll, we'll finish where we began. It wasn't about him. It was about others. Are you going to live the dream? You want to live the dream? Can I finish by saying something I hadn't planned to say, but let me say it. God's got great plans for my mate Paul. Remember him? As we speak, he's dangling up in the air now, putting his trust in a cable, working hard for his family. Guess what? He is living the dream. Because maybe that's exactly where he needs to be. It's good to have a dream. But don't have a fantasy, friend. Don't have a fantasy. Let God's will be done. Let God's will be done. Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www kingscambridge.org If you're listening on iTunes we would love you to leave us some feedback God bless and goodbye